Optimal Bio podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at OptimalBio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Optimal Bio Podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Dr. Kerry Jones, along with Dr. Greg Brannon. Today, we're going to talk about hormones, uh, hormone testing, and everything related, basically, to hormones. So uh, buckle up and get ready for a great ride today. It's been an adventure so far. Uh, that's kind of an inside joke. Um, but welcome, Dr. Kerry Jones from Oregon. Please uh, tell everybody about yourself. Well, thank you. First of all, I appreciate it. I, I am a naturopathic doctor and I tell people that I live, eat, breathe, and swim around hormones, uh, specifically a lot of female hormones. Seems like women tend to go to the doctor more often, but I work for a specialty hormone company and I find that hormones are kind of the bane of a lot of people's existence, but they're really misunderstood and one of my big um, goals is to just really help educate everyone as to what's going on when it comes to hormones. So how did you get to where you are? So, <laughs> I do live in Oregon, but I, was, I actually grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and my health education class was taught by the high school football coach. So you can imagine how that <laughs> went. And as I got older and went into uh, medicine, I realized that a lot of people just didn't understand the basics of their body. I had a lot of women that would say, I had no idea that's how it worked. I didn't know that's how it happened. I, you know, I'm 50 years old and didn't know. I'm 30 years old and didn't know. And the same applied to men. I had a lot of men that were like, have no idea how physiology works. And so as I kept getting through medicine, I thought this is what's important. This is what's really interesting to me and wanted to be a hormone educator so people could just go, oh, that's why my body does that. That's why I feel that way. That's what's going on because it seems to be lost in a lot of people, which is really unfortunate. Was there a special moment in time that it just hit you that this is how, where you wanted to go uh, with your career or was it just a culmination of things over time? So I've known since I was a little girl that I wanted to be in some sort of uh, hormonal related. So at, at the time I thought I was going to be an OBGYN like uh, Dr. Brannon um, and then thought maybe pediatrician, uh, pediatrics. And instead I just decided to be more of a generalist as it related to male and female hormones. And so through school, I mentored quite a bit. Um, with uh, doctor doctors who focused in hormones. I did my residency in what we would say is like an endocrinology bent. We don't have endocrinology residencies per se, but that's what we did in, in naturopathic school. And, and then just kept going from there as it related to hormones. Now, Greg, you spent you know, many years being one of the top OBGYNs in the Cary, North Carolina area. Uh, and I know you weren't a believer at first, but what changed your mind in reference to hormones? What changed my mind, Jim, was having these lovely young women in their mid-20s up to maybe early 40s complain of things that you should only hear in menopause. And then looking back at what we're told the problem is, and they give things as the SSIs of the world. It's in your head. It's in your head. Never looking at the connection between the gut and the brain. 
And I had to educate myself, Jim. I took zero classes in nutrition in medical school, zero. And so in my my path of trying to be healthy and, and my path with my diabetic patients, learning how to eat properly, it led to this process. And now you start realizing that our hormone values of so-called normal have changed over the last 50 years. I went back to the reason as a biochemist, why are we lower? Because the system did not change. We did not, did not evolve in 50 years that we could live on you know, 20% of our hormones. And I'm talking testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. And there's gotta be a problem. And the problem is our environment. Uh, the system we've been given by God is this beautiful, a beautiful body. It can, thri- can survive almost anywhere. It's the thriving part in optimal situations. So we're living in a very hostile environment. And, you know, you, uh, I'm sure Dr. Jones knows a ton about this. But we cannot change the plastics in the world. We'll try to fight it. We can't change the dirty water. We'll try to filter it. We'll do all those things, Jim. But we have to, we have to take the body we have and make it as optimal as possible to be in this environment. So that's what got me going, Jim, was having these lovely women because you know it was not in their head. It was not. And then you start talking to your buddies. They got the same complaints. And all I hear is part of aging. It's part of aging. The answer is no, it is not. So Dr. Jones, you're with Precision Analytical at this point, and I know you do a lot of clinical trial work. Um, can you kind of give us a little bit more information on that? Yeah, I'm. so Precision Analytical is what we would call maybe a specialty hormone lab company. I'm their medical director, and uh, we test the hormones that Greg mentioned. So we do estrogen and progesterone and testosterone, but we also do cortisol, and we do what we call our metabolites. So um, the easiest way to describe that, it's, a, it's the breakdown of the hormone. So you're a woman, you make an estrogen, where does your estrogen go? And some of those pathways are healthier than others. And we want to know which way estrogen's headed. Testosterone, you make a testosterone, where does your testosterone go? We can pick that up on the precision analytical test. The name of the test is, we actually call it the Dutch test. Not because we test for Dutch heritage, but because it's an acronym. So it's dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. And what makes it nice is it's an at-home test. You do it at home. It's not a blood draw. You don't have to spit in a tube. What you do is you pee on these pieces of filter paper four, if not five times throughout the day. And by doing so and mailing it back to the lab, we can get six pages of information all about your hormones. And it can really help answer questions and and get to the bottom of things of why someone isn't feeling that great. That's interesting because a lot of us go to traditional doctors and we may not be feeling great. And we've heard about the wonders of testosterone. So we go get tested and the lab ranges, you know, depending upon what medical center you're at can go from, you know, 150 all the way up to a thousand. And, um, so, and I know Dr. Brandon's got some thoughts on this. So I'm going to ask you both, you know, from a testing perspective, you know, what is Dutch testing and is it, obviously it's a lot more I guess, complete than just that typical one test that they run for testosterone that has that giant lab range that's in there. So actually testosterone is a really great example and it drives me absolutely crazy because you you could be at 151 and you're considered in range and they're like, you're fine. You're, 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 to, you're quote in range that the little H, the little red flag doesn't pop up. But you know, with a range of 150 to 1,000, 151 is not optimal. But the other thing about testosterone, and I bet Dr. Brandon would agree with me, is that men come to the doctor and they say, I, I'm tired, I'm not as motivated, uh, maybe I'm depressed, I'm gaining weight, uh, libido is down, it must be my testosterone. So they check testosterone and that's it, that's all they check. But yet we know other hormones play a big role for men. Believe it or not, estrogen 
Increasing estrogen can have very similar symptoms. Increasing cortisol can have very similar symptoms. And if you just micro focus in on one hormone, what often happens is that men will jump to go on testosterone. Maybe they feel good for a month or two or three, and then they say, it's not working. I need more. And it's not that it's not working. It's that you didn't step back and see the forest through the trees. You didn't look at all the other hormones that play a role, estrogen, cortisol, thyroid, glucose, insulin, as it relates to all these symptoms. So when you do a test like the Dutch test, you get this stepped back macroscopic look of everything happening at once. Oh, your testosterone's low because it's converting to estrogen, because your cortisol's high, because you're stressed out, because you're not sleeping, and testosterone in men is made at night. And so we slowly peel back the layers of the onion to go, here's probably what's really contributing um, and, and that we can change through diet, lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't always necessarily mean you have to go on testosterone, but how great to be able to be very proactive based on the results that you get. Dr. Brennan. Yes, um, I love hearing that because when uh, our patients come to our talk, we spend a lot of time, I, I draw a picture for every patient. I draw the hypothalamus dance pituitary. I talk about the releasing hormones. And then I draw the six axes, HCTA, prolactin, growth hormone, TSH, uh, FSH, LH. And then I go down to cortisol. I go down to um, I, I, um, um, IF, uh, uh, the whole idea with testosterone, the thyroid, T4, T3, reverse T3. I, oh, just, yeah. I draw the whole thing. And then how it seems complex, but then I try to tie it all together. It's just they're all these systems talking to each other. And knowing how they talk allows you to go look where the problem is. But then I go back to those very important to me, Jim, is uh, when, you know, Dr. Jones being the expert on the hormones is, uh, again, why are we higher 50 years ago? And that's when I wrote down, because Duke, Duke says 170 to 700 for a male. Uh, LabCorp says 264 to 916. Uh, LabCorp just five years ago, it was 350 to 1197. Um, when I was in school, it was 800 to 1300. So the question is, is why? But I love the idea what she's talked about. You look at the whole system. We look at the person from head to toe, the biochemistry of it. And I'm always focusing on glucose you're talking about and mitochondria. I believe virtually every disease process is when you have mitochondria dysfunction. When the mitochondria is dysfunction by too much glucose, by, um, not enough working out, all these things happens, is I wanna make sure that the mitochondria stays optimal. And that's why the redox oxidation process to me is really important. That's why coenzyme Q10, all these kind of things all tie together. But then each individual goes, but I really make it real simple, Jim, and Dr. Jones is this, is I try to tell people the sex hormones are the gasoline, the thyroid's the carburetor, that's the oxygen, and then the cortisol is when those are out of whack, that gets too, too stressed. And they all tie together when you get them healed up properly, then you can be an optimal way to work. I don't think people realize, speaking of the mitochondria, I mean, even things like just breathing, oxygen, you know, like it, you need oxygen for your mitochondria to work. And how many people snore? How many people have sleep apnea? How many people are walking around breathing out of their mouth because their nose is all congested for allergies, foods, molds, whatever it is. I mean, it's these little, these little things, right? That I, we d just don't get taught and people don't realize. They're like, I just snore a little, it's mild. Like, mm. We'll, we'll, we'll oh, jump on that, Dr. Jones, real you. quick. Let's jump on that. The last two years, we've talked to wear a mask to actually fill, you know, block yeah. 
Okay, block yeah. actually our, in our intake of, of oxygen and, and even more so the expiration of, of CO2, which red blood cells mm-hmm. bind 200 times more efficiently than oxygen. So all the physical changes, you're talking about a snoring aspect, multiply that by multiple factors, walk through mm-hmm. the day with a mask on. And we don't look at those mm-hmm. systems, what it does. Um, Dr. Paul wrote a great... Um, in, in, in March of 2020, and Dr. Blaylock at LSU walked about what's going to happen with a mask on in the next year. And they knew it, not because they're, they're prophets, they knew because they knew the physiology. And now mm-hmm. we have to fight that body with, uh, with all the evidence that so-called you know, experts are telling us to cover your, don't take oxygen in our body. But it goes back to mitochondria. Right. What I'd like to tell Jim is mitochondria is if people watch movies and stuff, you know, spy movies, that's where cyanide works. And we see how cyanide kills so fast on TV. It really does in the lab. It disacouples the mitochondria immediately in the electron transport chain. So that's why I liked what you're talking about, Dr. Jones, is the comprehensive look at the whole thing. It may seem complicated, which it is, because we just scratch the surface. We don't know how the biochemistry really works. We're just guessing at it. Well, right. I guess we're educated <laughs> guess. But but if they're all intertwined with each other. And that's what I want people to understand is how intertwined they are. I always say nothing works in a silo in the human body. You know, any anything people will ask me, and I'm sure they ask you, like, what's what's the one magic pill I can take? What's what's the what's the tea I can drink to detox? What's what, what can I what's the one thing I can use to move this one enzyme pathway? I said, you realize if you do that, it's like a ripple effect in water. It's like if you pluck a spider web, the whole thing will vibrate. The same thing happens in your body. You can't shift one domino without the entire thing falling. So you have to be very aware of that. And, and Jim, so that's exactly, the- you asked me a little while ago. Well, let me go real quick because you asked me what made you think about this. Uh, one that really made me think is, is statins. Just what she said, this web. So oh, you have yeah. a thing called mavonic acid becomes cholesterol. And then the statins work right there on this HMOC um, coenzyme uh, A stops that enzyme. Great, so it stops cholesterol. But cholesterol becomes a gonane, which becomes everything we're talking about today. Every single sex hormone we're talking, <laughs> cortisol, estrogen, testosterone, 98% of your brain, everything we're talking about comes from cholesterol. And then, and then they go, let's block cholesterol. When, by the way, cholesterol does not cause atherosclerosis. It's, it's particles, which increase because of sugar. And that goes up because of bad cortisol, which goes back to black sugar. So again, I love the idea because every single drug <laughs> approved by the FDA, yeah, everyone blocks an enzyme or blocks receptor. That, and they don't look at the repercussions thereof. Because I, I love what you said. We don't live in a silo. Right. Every enzyme process is not in a silo. And even when cholesterol, where does where where in the body does the body use cholesterol to make the sex hormone in the mitochondria? It's the first step of sex hormone exactly. production: estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol. It's in the mitochondria, the very first step. And for cortisol, it's the so first and last step. And so, yeah. So let's do, let's do something real good. Let's block oxygen for the next eighteen months and see how our body works. <laughs> <laughs> it's just insane. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's, let's come back to hormones. Um, Dr. Jones, you had mentioned before about, uh, you know, females in particular that, um, you know, weren't feeling well um, and couldn't figure out why. And obviously, Dr. Greg, through your practice, you had run across the same thing. So typical 50, 55-year-old female, menopausal, you know, going through significant hot flashes. Um, is it normal for them to have that? And... What do we do about that these days? <laughs> uh, well, co- it is common, I w- but common doesn't mean normal, right? So um, that's in my happens? book. That's what actually I, in my I book. Find. That phrase is there? <laughs> yeah, and so I think I think this is what I see, Doctor Greg. You tell me what you see, but um, 
I see a lot of women burning the candle at both ends. I see a lot of women pushing through their their 20s and they're pushing through their 30s and they're pushing through their 40s and they have kids and they have aging parents and they have high stress and they have a pandemic and they're not taking that great of care of themselves as they should and the environment sucks and the chemicals are high and then they get into perimenopause and everything changes. Perimenopause is reverse puberty. So we all remember going through puberty. Now imagine backing out of puberty. And so the body's like, you know what? I, I'm you're losing an entire gland. You're losing the ovaries. And because we don't have the safety nets of the ovary anymore, they're, they're starting to shift. And because you've been pushing, pulling, relying on the adrenal glands, the HPA axis for so long, and coupled with gl glucose, lack of sleep, high stress chemicals, it leads to a really uncomfortable, crappy menopause for a lot of women. So they're looking for the magic pill and I'm advocating now, I'm like, look, women, I need you to start thinking about this in your 30s. I need to set you up for success in your 30s, head it into your 40s so that when you do get into menopause, whether it's in your 40s or 50s, that you can glide into it as opposed to slam into it. Because a lot of women wake up one day and go, what happened? I can't sleep. I put on 15 pounds. I feel terrible. I've aged overnight and I'm hot all the time. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's friendly, but I am saying that we can do a lot about it. I just wish we would have gotten the education starting younger. And this is a big reason you asked me in the beginning, why did I get into hormones? Because I was taught by my high school football coach. So you can imagine I learned nothing around female physiology that was of, of any help or any use other than don't get pregnant. So now I have women that are in their 30s and 40s. I have women in their 40s going, what is this that's happening to me? I said, oh, it's called perimenopause. They'd never heard of it before. Nobody talked to them about it. Their mom never talked to them about it. Their friends aren't old enough to go through it yet. They had no idea. And so for those who are listening, it's you're not alone, but there's a lot you can do. You don't have to suck it up and and, and just deal with these hot flashes, the brain fog, the lack of libido, the weight gain. There is a lot you can do, but it's, it does require some work and it does require you to make some like real key changes in your life that you've been able to push, right? Burn the candle at both ends for, for many years. And that's what I see happening, at least in the United States for a lot of women in that age group. Greg? Yeah, by definition, menopause retrains one year of no cycle. But as you know, the hormones change, as you said, 10, 15 is earlier. And the sooner you get on board on that, the, the, the better transition can be. Um, I think there's two things going on here. First off, as we even mentioned, testosterone is part of the most important thing. Women lose 50% by the age of 40, and there's over 400 functions in the body. Um, I do re believe, I believe in hormone uh, replacement as long as it's bioidentical uh, to proper levels. And again, keeping a woman, I know menopause is normal, I understand it, but there's sequelae to that. Osteoporosis, you lose 5% of bone mass per year. If you go on uh, replacement testosterone, estrogen pellets, papers published in 79, you actually increase bone 8.3% per year. When you think about it in the cost of osteoporosis, number nine leading cause of death over eight, overall, 50,000 women a year die of osteoporosis and men get it as well. That that could be that could be taken care of it's almost to zero by having your hormones replaced to optimal level so you your testosterone makes bone and your estrogen slows down bone, bone absorption that's just one example jim so menopause to me is 
um, is very important to look at it as, as you, I like the way you knock smash into it, glide into it. And uh, my <laughs> wife transitioned from mid forties to mid fifties and has no idea what it was because I kept her levels of a 25 year old in the luteal phase. So she went right through without a problem. And the complications to that, um, I, use, I used to repair women's bottoms when their bladders and things fall down. And you're getting women with, with higher levels of hormone levels for a longer period of time, don't need those surgeries. So they're not having those complications. The hernia is not, not forming. It's just, it's just, do you want a hormone level of an 18-year-old or a 90-year-old? And the problem is we're living as a 90-year-old when we're in our 20s and 30s now and calling that normal. It, it's, it's insanity. <laughs> and I want to go over something that's really interesting, Jim, that bothers me. Here, here. I health. agree. So, Dr. Jones, the bo- go ahead, the, Greg. Yeah, the body is made. Well, Jim, this is, about, this is really serious to me. We named the body parts, uh, Da Vinci did, in Latin. So a uterus is a uterus. But when you remove a body part, it's named in Greek. It's, it's called, it's a, so it's a hysterectomy because histo is the, is the word for uterus in Greek. Now, they used to remove women's uteruses because they thought it made them crazy. So if they take the uterus out, they would stop being crazy. Today's drug of choice for menopausal women, according to all my diplomas on my wall, are SSRIs, antidepressants. It's mm-hmm. like we're, we're, we just went back 2,500 years by giving them, because they're crazy. They're not crazy. They're beautiful bodies responding for no gas and no oxygen. That's why they're responding that way, not because there's something in their head. And that drives me nuts. I don't want to, re- if you lose uh, t- t- testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, why replace it with an SSRI? Or, or why suck it up? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, a lot of, some of the people that I know know that I, I'm associated with optimal bio, so they ask what I do, and they, mostly husbands will quietly tell me, you know, my wife's going through, you know, menopause, and she's uncomfortable. She's having hot flashes, can't sleep, whatever, but she doesn't want me to tell anybody. You know, it's it's like almost like it's a stigma that you're going through this. And to your point earlier, Dr. Jones, they feel like they just need to power through it, whether it's one year or five years or six years. Um, do you run across females a lot that, um, where you have to, you know, talk to them more about the stigma behind it and to say it's okay and to, you know, help them from a, you know, mental support standpoint or emotional support standpoint? I find, I'm finding, and I think it's because of, um, the accessibility to education that a lot more women are realizing what they're going through and they're okay talking about it or seeking help. Um, the problem is, and I think, you know, Dr. Greg might agree, they realize what's happening to them, but when they go to seek help, the help isn't there. The the help is an SSRI or it's like, yeah, you're 55. This is normal. Good luck. Give it a couple years and you'll be fine. And unfortunately I'm reading articles, um, in just, you know, traditional, not even, not journal articles, just like the front of Yahoo, right? Like the front of Google that are talking about divorces, like divorces could probably be saved. Some divorces could be saved um, if women got proper support as they went through perimenopause and menopause, because it is true. It's a hundred percent true what Dr. Greg said. They, we lose testosterone, estrogen, progesterone by a significant amount. And all of those hormones play a big role in our brain, not even just our bone or our heart or our skin, but our brain as well, on our serotonin, on our dopamine. So our depression, our anxiety, our motivation. And so now we lose all of those hormones. It's no wonder we feel crazy or feel more depressed or our anxiety is 
more triggered through the roof. Um, we can't handle uh, like trauma if, if we've been through it or working on it like we used to. We're not sleeping. So of course it's gonna take an effect on our relationships. So I, I want women to understand what's going on with them and I want them to seek out help. But I do agree with Dr. Greg, it's hard when the... Can maybe traditionally or conventionally trained help is exactly what he said. It's S here, take this SR SSRI as the only option when we know that there are a lot of really wonderful other options out there like bioidentical hormones that can help replace on top of the diet and the lifestyle and the exercise and, and all the other suggestions that could be really helpful to go with it. So I hope women hear this and if they have been embarrassed or they've been taught to be shamed about it. Don't be shamed. It's it's every single woman in the whole world has to go through this. We none of us can avoid the the transition of menopause, and so we need to talk about it. And then we need to give them the help and support that that really is going to help and support them. Yeah, you know, side note: we have a bunch of yeah, a bunch of uh, we have a bunch of counselors that have sent us patients over the last ten years. Uh, mm -hmm. The same thing because it gives the counselor better uh, help in helping the people, the husband and wife through their counseling because then they could actually have a very good discussion because their, their Olympic system's working, their brain's working. They could have a better chance of success because the, the one of the things that are hindering them to actually connect to the other person has now been filled up again so they could connect again. The Olympic system is a part of the brain that wants women and men to hold hands and just that shrinks. So now as a counselor, you have a, a well... Um, oiled machine that you can work with. And, we, and a lot of the counselors have become, our, have become our clients as well. But, you know, we're talking a lot about women, Jim and, and Dr. Jones. I think it's even more of a stigma for men. Andropause is yeah. real. And, um, and, and, and suck it up is even bigger in men because you can't show weakness, you can't show this. And it's just, and it's not even the emotional part of it. It's neurogenic disease, it's cardiovascular disease, it's muscle skeletal disease. The things we die of as we age can be hindered completely, uh, not completely, can be hindered a lot with the right testosterone, estrogen, progesterone balance. Yeah. That's a good point. However, I wanna go back to the, the, the testing real quick. I know we're kind of jumping all over the place uh, to some extent, but the Dutch test seems like it, it does a lot that a typical lab draw would do, but obviously I think a lot of people would prefer not to get a needle if they could. Um, at Optimal Bio, we obviously draw labs. Um, Dutch mm -hmm. test is different. Um, can you both walk us through the, uh, you know, some of the benefits of both, I guess you could say, and, uh, you know, from a Dutch test perspective, can anybody get this or do they need to go to a provider to get it? I'll answer that first. We definitely prefer that you go to a provider because when you get six pages of information about you, what are you going to do with it? So if you're not medically trained, it can feel very overwhelming and it can feel very discouraging. Um, and in some people, they know enough to hurt themselves. And so then they end up making decisions and choices and taking things that probably aren't good for them. So we highly recommend they go see somebody, you know, like Optimal Bios, who's going to walk them through what it means and what to do. With the with a blood draw, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of blood draw. A lot of markers you can only get in a blood draw, such as a thyroid, glucose, insulin, prolactin, you know, some of these hormones. Um, the reason I like the Dutch test is that it is done throughout the day. So if you want to see your cortisol throughout the day, instead of getting your a needle poke, 
in the morning, around lunch, around dinner and before bed, which nobody's going to do, you get this ability to do it at home and get that information back. Melatonin. Melatonin is made through the night. And so it's really nice to do at home in a urine test as opposed to having to somehow figure out how to get a blood draw in the middle of the night to get your melatonin. And then getting these metabolites, like I was mentioning earlier, these breakdown products of the hormones, you don't see in a blood draw. You can see estrogen, but seeing some of the phases of estrogen detox uh, is estrogen goes through phase one in the liver, goes through phase two in the liver. That's where we pick up some of that in the Dutch test. So you're going to miss that in a blood draw. So a blood draw absolutely has its uh, key benefits for sure. But then adding the Dutch test sort of gives you a more well-rounded, more comprehensive look of the person in front of you. So if you're putting a woman on estrogen, then you can at least have an idea of where her estrogen is going so that you can, um, like I said earlier, some of those pathways aren't good. They can result in DNA damage, which we don't want. So let's help to mitigate that if you're going to put her on estrogen. Testosterone, you're going to put her on testosterone, but maybe she's going down the pathway that causes hair loss, cystic acne, anger and irritation. Well, she's already angry and irritated. Like you don't want to do that. So there's things we can do to help mitigate that pathway. Yes, she needs testosterone, but you can already look ahead and go up, but she's going to get these side effects. Let's Let's see what we can do, diet, lifestyle, supplement, medication to keep her off these pathways. And that's why I like combining the two together, a blood test and a Dutch test, just to, again, for seeing the big forest so that we can work with everything that they've got going on. And it applies to men as well. Men can do the Dutch test. I know we're talking a lot about women, but men of all ages can do the Dutch test, which is why I like it. Greg? Yeah, for for us, the blood test is is part of our our algorithm for our dosing model. I do spend time on every single patient. I spend time with E1, E2, E3, alpha receptor and beta receptor. Then I take them through two dehydrogenase, 16 dehydrogenase and four. And I show them just what you said, our goals too. Um, I love the, the part about Dutch I love the most is the six pages. It's phenomenal. <laughs> um, you don't be a biochemical nerd to do to know it because you can make it simple, but I'll give a couple examples with estrogen. E1 dominates in menopause. One is most of your cancers and cardiovascular disease because E1 is a different metabolized rate when leaves your body different than E2. E2 dominates uh, in, in the premenopausal and as an alpha beta receptor of a one to one ratio, while E1, which is more of the potential growth of cancer, has a five to one ratio of alpha receptor site. That's important to know that stuff. Premarin, which is the one that, that the standard one that's by doctors, well, that we know that goes down the four pathway predominantly, which we know causes DNA fragmentation. So, the, I mean, the, I, I think it's a great um, tool to walk your patient through to show them why you take DIM or uh, Indolol three to go down the two pathway because the two pathway has less alpha receptor site. So Jim, I think as a combination is phenomenal with both, but for at Optobile right now, because we focus on the, our algorithm, the gold standard is the blood, but the metabolites, uh, I, I think it'd be a great asset uh, into any, any practice because it helps the patient, I think, comprehend. I think seeing things visually helps a lot anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's why I draw, the, I draw the pathways out because it's important. Same for the men, um, the testosterone, how that's cleared in your body and what it does. And estrogen, estrogen, a lot of, you know, off the market, even some doctors, they use aromatase inhibitors on everybody with testosterone. Well, with low estrogen, a man, you have no cardiovascular blood flow or brain blood flow. Mm -hmm. It kills things. You need estrogen, but not too much. And that's where the metabolites be phenomenal for men. 
So Dr. Jones, with the Dutch test though, you probably could not go to your normal regular provider and get the test because my guess is they wouldn't know what it is. Is that a fair assumption? So yeah, well, I mean, if they, so a normal regular, some normal regular providers do use the Dutch oh, test. It, it does depend, right? If they're in, they'd have to be into more of that functional, integrative, personalized, holistic look. Yes. Um, if they are in, you know, a big hospital system, if they're in, um, if they're very conventional, then no, they're probably going to say, first of all, they're probably not going to test your hormones. You're going to go in and say, I quote, feel hormonal. And they'll say, why, why bother testing them? You know, either here's an SSRI or of course you're feel hormonal. You're 50 or you have two young kids or, you know, whatever it is, like just good luck and you'll be fine or see a counselor. So getting them to test hormones in the first place is often very much a challenge. Getting them to do a specialty hormone test is even more of a challenge. So you do have to seek out somebody who understands it and obviously believes it's more than just in your head. Every time we have a guest on that's a doctor, I was asked the same question. Why aren't more doctors open to at least running a test for a patient who requests it? Well, I was not conventional. I'm not an MD, so I'll let Dr. Greg speak more for his training. But my friends who are MDs who tell me, they're like, we, for, we were not taught. We're, we're not taught. We're taught not to believe it. We're, you know, we're, we're very pharmaceutical driven. And so if you have, everything is a, a nail, right? You're a hammer. Everything is a nail. So not taught to believe it. Everything is pharmaceutically driven. And then they don't have the time. When your average visit is six minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes tops, how are you going to go through to explain to somebody in detail about their hormones, about their cortisol, about their lifestyle, about how to sleep properly, about the foods they eat, about chewing their food, you know, about how hormones work in the body. You can't do it in 10 minutes. And so most, a lot of conventional care is very acute based. I hurt, I hurt myself or I, you know, I have a cold, my throat hurts. I need to get a physical exam real quick for school, for my job, and, and then you move on. And so that's what my conventional friends have told me. And then they find functional, integrative, personalized medicine, and they come to the light. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes so much more sense to them. But Dr. Greg, wh why, why do you think it is? 1910, the Flexion Report. Um, I, I, I love history. Yeah. And uh, naturopath was probably that that was the foundational medicine in America's history until that report. Um, what they did is they went around the country looking for uh, Flexor, Abraham Flexor, the head of the, uh, um, the uh, Rockefeller Institute in Science and went around finding medical schools that wanted to go down the more of the pharmaceutical approach. And anyone that did not join up the AMA was considered not good medicine osteopathics, naturopathics, chiropractics. Uh, and it was very frustrating because it eliminates choice. And I think the choice is the key of liberty. And um, mm -hmm. I think the individual is is crucially important to be able to have make decisions on their own. Now, I'm hit by a car. I want to be in America. I've been fortunate to yep. have done medical missions around the world. I'm very, I, I think we're trained. Allopathic has some great benefits. But also medicine is the fourth cause of death in America today. So I think we should start asking questions. If that's the question, and we know that affairs court, uh, the Harvard study shows less than 1% of adverse effects are even are even brought up. So how much are we really causing damage? And I use that as a, a cholesterol as an example. I'm gonna go a study, the 2002 WHI study that said Premier Provera caused breast yeah. cancer by 24%, which it did. Hopkins went back to look at those women 20 years later. And those women who had breast cancer, even they took Premier Provera, actually live longer because they have less heart attack and stroke. 
but how about I follow Optimal Bio? Why not get the benefits without the risks? And that's why I replace mm-hmm. the exact same molecule, mo- atom for atom, molecule for molecule, dose for dose as is optimal so you can get the body to do its own function. When we give hormones, Jim, I don't, gotta, I don't have to think about the four different pathways. I just give it the proper level and the body does what it needs to do. But Jim, I, I'm going to tell you what it is. It's, it's called arrogance. And uh, in, the, in the introduction to my first my book, I put down my ir- my arrogance led to my, my ignorance because I believe I knew this stuff. I was a professor of this stuff. I taught this stuff. And if I and if one size of program fits, if one size of program fits. We were never even taught to check t- women's testosterone levels, even though a test a woman in her 20s makes four to ten times more testosterone than she does estrogen. So I think part of it is arrogance and. Um, I'm not here to hammer big pharma because big pharma's done great for a lot of things as well. Mm-hmm. I just want to be, what I want to do, Jim, you know how my passion is, I want to be an educator. I want to, I want to walk the journey with the, with the patient, with the client and walk through their journey, listen to their story because their story could point you in so many directions. Then you get the right blood test, the right Dutch test, you put it all together and then you, and then you know, Jim, we know people want one fix. They want one pill and they will be out the door. No, we even tell them here. The five things are sleep, eat, exercise, remove stress, and replace what you lost. Got to do those all in concert. If you do that in concert, you'll be healthier in five years than you are now. But people are impatient in today's microwave society. But Jim, I think part of it is arrogant. And then doctors with, you know, I know I got my diplomas on the wall. She has all hers on that wall. But the thing is, she was taught how the body works nutrition-wise. I was taught biochemistry, I was taught pharmacology, I was taught anatomy, and not how they intertwine. And the intertwining of it is the key to the whole thing, Jim. I think that's... That, I'm very I'm very blessed. I'm, I'm an integrative medicine doctor as well now because that integration does not poo-poo allopathic. It actually adds to allopathic. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say too that based on some anecdotal evidence that if you're seeing a doctor that male or female that are in their 50s, they tend to be a little bit more open and understanding and more knowledgeable about testosterone than let's say some of the younger doctors are at this point in time. Probably because they're experiencing the same things other people are experiencing. Well, Dr. Fung's book, uh, uh, Jason Fung, uh, oh. he wrote the book Obesity Code and a book called Diabetes Code. He's a nephrologist, trained at UCLA, lives in Toronto. He, he's on YouTube all the time. He's he, he, a great presenter. And uh, he found with his nephrology patients, because the number one cause of kidney failure is diabetes. So he was, he was in his book, he talks about the struggle of teaching people how to eat. Then he said, you know what? It's not how you eat, it's when you eat. And the whole intermittent fasting and restricted feeding is real science. We used to eat that way. We used to eat at seven o'clock in the morning, we ate at noon, we were done at five. We used to do that. Mm-hmm. Then the whole food pyramid scam got in. But interesting, in, in, <laughs> but you asked Jim about doctors. This is very interesting. In the very beginning of his book, he says, why would you take advice from a fat doctor? And that's not to be mean because 80 per, 60% of Americans are overweight. But we're obviously doing something wrong when 60% of Americans who are following the standard American diet are diabetic. Metabolic syndrome is just too much sugar. It's not too much fat. It's not too much cholesterol. It's too much sugar. And that's the problem is we've been pushed that thing down, down, the, down the pike. And, and now we know the science behind it and we have to go back and go backwards. We train it. I mean, we're much, we're much older than Dr. Jones here, but we were raised, we're the first family that was a generation that was raised in the food pyramid in 77. You can look mm-hmm. back at that landmark, that landmark push through government and you can look at metabolic disease, diabetes, um, for women, um, PCOS, amenorrhea, all those mm-hmm. things have just blown up. And that's what, because what this does, it alters the normal value of our testosterone, our estrogen progesterone, and it goes down the wrong metabolic pathways by eating too much sugar. 
I was lecturing in Australia. This is just a funny side note. I was lecturing in Australia a couple of years ago and in my slide, I had forgotten to change. I was talking about the standard American diet. And I said to the room full of Australian doctors, the standard American diet, I said, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. What do you call it in Australia? And it, in unison, in unison, the whole room said back, the standard American diet. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I've, you know, I've heard not, people call it the Western diet, the fast food diet, you know, whatever, the prepackaged diet, but the standard American diet is, is, is pretty global. When you say that to doctors in other countries, like we know what that means because it's, it's an unhealthy diet. There's a great study. Sadly though, it seems like, at, a, oh, just gonna say, sadly, it seems like other countries are following our, our dietary yeah. advice basically. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, metabolic, Greg, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a journal called uh, Meta Nutrition and Metabolism, uh, Metabolicism uh, that looked at a bunch of Japanese people in Japan, their kids moving to Hawaii, and those kids moving mm -hmm. to the mainland. Mm -hmm. So it's three generations eating Japanese diet, eating a um, quasi-American Japanese diet in Hawaii, and then West Coast, and diabetes, obesity, mm -hmm. hypertension, lipidemia, all increase dramatically each stage further to America because our, our food's processed differently. The sugars are stimulus put in our flour. Our cereal's different than it is in Europe. Um, it's, it's true, it's true. And that's why I think it's really it's important that we get back to our topsoil has been destroyed. That's why we don't have the selenium and the iodine, the zinc, the magnesium. I, you know, you know, we talk about this, Jim, a lot. I, I hate the word supplements. I like the word nutraceuticals because these are not options. They're only, they're only supplements to our diet now because they've been taken out of all our food because mm -hmm. the topsoil has been destroyed the last hundred years. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 I think, um, you know, standard S, American A, diet D. It's sad is what it has led to. <laughs> yeah, it is. So Dr. Jones, from a food perspective, are there any foods that can help with hormonal balance, testosterone, estrogen, et cetera, et cetera? It's honestly, we, I mean, we've really touched on what foods not to eat um, the whole time. And I hate to focus on the negative, but it's really true. I mean, everything Dr. Greg has said is really true. If, um, you know, if you incorporating intermittent fasting, getting the sugar, getting the crap out, getting this, you know, getting away from a standard American prepackaged, the, the crappy oils, um, the fried, the sodas, the, the, the quick, right? We're a, we're a nation of quick. We want fast. We want microwaved. We want fast food. Um, we were hungry. We want it now. We're snacky. We're going to just get a like something from the vending machine uh, or in a package and getting away from that and back to real whole foods, even with the topsoil being as depleted as is, I'd still rather you eat real whole foods because that is what's going to help. If you can pronounce the food in front of you, then I'm, then I'm all about it. But when you read the label and you can't pronounce most of the ingredients and the, the sugar is through the roof, that's where we get into real, real problems. And men and women inherently know this. You know, my patients would say to me, I know like I'm stressed out or my job or my kids and we tend to eat on the fly like the kids have practice. So we're eating fast food for dinner as I'm rushing them to practice. And they're like, I know, I know I feel tired. I know I feel lethargic. I know I don't sleep as well. I know I get symptoms, whether it's headache or mood or skin problems. They're like, I know I need to do better. And so holding up a mirror and, and really trying to emulate that to them, really trying to coach them and educate them on the choices they make, what they put into their body 
does actually make a huge difference in hormones um, is really important. So it's, yes, there are foods that are helpful, but really it's, it's taking away that whole sad part of it is going to make the biggest impact when it comes to it, their health overall. A friend of mine said, if you just shop the outside of a grocery store and never go through the <laughs> aisles, you'll, you're already going to be 50% better than, than everybody else. Um, and to your point earlier. And, and if they have a, go ahead. they have a health food section, right? They have a health food section in the grocery store. So what's the rest of the food? <laughs> right. I've read that too. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Um, so I notice you're a tea lover. I am a tea and lover. Yes. I as well. I'm trying to get Dr. Greg. He doesn't drink any hot drinks. He's a, he's just a water guy, but, um, <laughs> I do like green tea at night with my wife, but I'm, I'm not about possessed like you, sir, but yes. <laughs> uh, just real quick, since you're, you're obviously a tea connoisseur, what are some of the health benefits from some of the different teas that you like? So, um, yeah, I don't drink coffee. I've never, ever drank coffee, but I do love green tea. Um, the, for as, well, one, cause it does have some caffeine Two, I think it tastes really good, but three, the antioxidant, um, sort of mitochondrial, maybe anti-cancer effects of it. So that's why I really enjoy green tea. Now, green tea, there's green tea and then there's like matcha. Some people drink matcha tea. Matcha is tea that the green tea or black tea that's been shaded. Usually it's green tea. And with that shading, slightly increases uh, a compound in it called L-theanine and L-theanine can be uh, calming to the body. So they call it like a calm alertness. So some people drink matcha when they get that mid-afternoon slump, when they're trying to be more alert, um, maybe they're having some anxiety about getting a project done. They'll drink matcha to help feel calmer, but be more focused. Obviously there's a lot of other teas such as you see all the teas for sleep. So the sleepy time teas, chamomile tea, Holy basil tea is probably my favorite at night. I don't drink green tea at night. I drink holy basil, which is also known as Tulsi. Tulsi is calming to the body. Tulsi is relaxing. Uh, oddly enough, Tulsi is a good antihistamine, so it's good in allergy season. Um, and so I do find for the tea lovers out there that there can be real benefits um, when when you're using some of these some of these different teas. They can be very medicinal as well as just comforting. What are your thoughts on Earl Grey? I do love Earl Grey. I'm not going to lie. I do like, I do like a good Earl Grey. I don't drink it every morning, but, uh, I do like the taste of it. Is that your favorite? It is. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have holy basil before and that, I One enjoy that as well. And, and I'm not really a green guy though. It's, uh, depends on different, different brands and what have you. Some tend to be a little bit yeah. earthy for me. Um, but it's yeah. an acquired taste. So I appreciate that. Well, I am careful with my teas because we know teas, depending where they're grown, they can be full of metals and they can be very heavily sprayed. So you, I, and then the tea bag itself, if you don't do loose leaf, the tea bag itself can be full of yeah. microplastics, particles and- Microplastics, so yeah. So I, yeah, I am a bigger uh, fan of the loose leaf. Yeah. 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 So I, you do have to yeah. be careful. Don't just grab whatever's on sale. No, I'm a loose leaf guy. The tea bags um, are the highest bags of microplastics. Yeah. That's scary. It's so scary. Well, again, it's almost like you can't avoid it to some extent, right? It's everywhere. It's bottled water. It's in PVC piping. It's in bag, tea bags. Yeah. It's in packaging. Um, even the health food section has, you know, spinach and it says organic on it, but it's in a, it's in a plastic bag. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to divert a little um, bit here. There's a, there's a movie. Uh, there's a movie. I was going to say there's a movie, Mrs. Robinson. 
And in that movie, Dustin Hoffman's in the pool hanging out. And the uh, father says, Dustin, get into plastics. That's the future. Just a little bit of side note, because plastics were the future. And everything <laughs> we're talking about is harm just from the plastics. You know? Yeah. It, it was the future. Yeah. And it's, it's the byproduct. Everything is a repercussion. Good mm-hmm. or bad. So, Dr. Joe... So it's been, it's mm-hmm. been great having you on today. Um, you, we usually, uh, at the end, um, ask our guests to give us five takeaways, um, pieces of advice, you know, that the listeners, you know, hopefully will pick up on. And um, yeah. so I'm going to have Dr. Greg go first, and then I'm going to have you finish, and then we'll say goodbye and um, go from there. Okay. Well, my, my thing is, yeah, Jim, you know, it's, I do almost the same every time, but I really want people to be educated and be an initiator of their own health. That to me is number one through five. And I'm hoping these podcasts we're doing helps people to be uh, invigorated or, or feel confident enough to ask questions. Uh, number two, information. Um, again, you get the six pages from Dutch, you're getting information. And um, so for me, Jim, it's education, uh, a little um, for liberty and freedom to have the confidence to act that way and get information. And you could, and then you could digest what that information can do for you. Only three, Jim, but to me, they, they encompass everything I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. My turn. Yes. All right. So, um, I, I'm, I'm about when it comes to what to do with health, I'm, I'm at a, I'm about practical and tactical, uh, for people. So the first thing is, uh, when we talked mostly about female and male hormones, we didn't talk as much about cortisol, but our cortisol rhythm is dictated by genes in our brain appropriately called the clock gene, like the clock on your wall. And humans actually run a little longer than 24 hours. Um, that our clocks all run 24 hours, but humans are a little longer. So we have to reset and reset us every single day. And these clock genes are like the master pacemaker. And then we have baby clocks in every single one of our glands or pancreas or ovaries or testicles the heart, whatever. So what I tell people is if you are feeling dysfunctional and you just feel like your rhythm is off, you've lost some rhythm, then you need to set and reset your clock genes. So my number one to set your clock gene is to get light first thing in the morning. You want full spectrum light. And that's free, cheap, and easy for a lot of people. When you wake up in the morning, don't get on your phone. Go outside or open your window or open your door. You The window will block the luck. So you actually have to open your window or open your door and get about five or 10 minutes of natural light Don't look in the sun, don't be stupid, don't burn your retina, but just enjoy the natural morning light. Number two then is to reset your clock gene, is sleep in darkness. A lot of people don't sleep in darkness. A lot of people are on their screens late at night. A lot of people are watching scary things on on Netflix and then they think they can just go right to sleep. But you wanna sleep in darkness. So start to wind down before bed, dim the lights, wear a sleep mask if you need to. Um, And that, that light dark is number one and number two will help set your rhythm the master pacemaker, which will set rhythms for the rest of stuff in your body. And it's amazing the number of women who tell me that their menstrual cycle is all messed up, but their sleep is all messed up and they don't realize the two go together or they wake up in the morning and look at their phone and, and for an hour and, and where they lay in bed and yet they're tired. And so it's changing some of these little habits. Number three, number three would be that the brain, um, the brain's main job in your body is to protect you, not to make you happy. So if you want to feel protected so that you can shift over to happy, then you can't necessarily, you can't feel threatened when you are around community, when you are playing and genuinely enjoying yourself and when you feel real joy. 
And so my three, four, and five are to find a community that lights you up and excites you and makes you feel real love, whether that's your family, your partner, your, your extended family, your best friends, your work group that you feel safe with. Find a community, which I know has been real hard to be separated from community these last two years, which is what's adding to the threat that a lot of our brains feel because we don't have the community to feel protected. So, and then number four to go with that is play, laugh, genuinely laugh every day, whether it's funny memes, whether it's the funny show on TV, whether it's a funny book, um, but be very careful about the content you consume. If it's constantly scary, if it's concerning, if it's heavy, then that's going to make your brain continue to stay in protective mode, which can amp up anxiety, insomnia, depression, hypervigilance. So monitor the content you consume, try to switch to the happy, funny stuff. And the fifth thing is to find joy, not just happiness, but real joy. And however that looks like, that's different for everybody, right? So finding real honest to God joy. I have a, on my blackboard behind me, it says healing happens at joy. So when you look at, from a maybe energetic point of view, if you look at levels and energies, if anger and, and hate are at the bottom and love is at the top, um, I've read that healing happens at the, the energy of joy. And since a lot of us are trying to heal, find real joy. And that again, helps the brain feel like it's protected with that community, that play and that joy. So light, dark, community, play and joy are my five go-tos for your listeners. That was fantastic. And that was probably the best five takeaways we've ever had from a guest on our show. So <laughs> extremely impressive. Thank you. Yeah. So Dr. Jones, where can people find you if they want to follow you? I hang out a lot on Instagram. I am at dr.carryjones. And we talked a lot about the Dutch test and you can find the Dutch test at dutchtest.com. All of our webinars, podcasts like this one, um, get uploaded there and they are free to access. Sounds great. Well, thank you again for being on today. Thank you, Dr. Greg. We want to wish everybody a, a very uh, healthy, happy day. And if you need some help, you know, come see us at Optimal Bio and uh, please follow Dr. Carrie Jones. And uh, until next time, everybody be well. This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brannon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brannon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound.